was uh, directed toward Brother Bill, amen? <laughs> you, get, you reap what you sow, right? <laughs> yeah, some gummy worms. Uh, I've been giving out grapes and marshmallows and what else, y'all? Uh, what? Popcorn, apple slices, uh, just a little bit of everything. What a blessing the children are. Uh, as my wife is so fond of saying, Jesus really does love the children. Amen. And so I agree with her. And uh, that being the case, uh, we sow our life into the children. And I know that many of you do the same. And for that, I give you a hearty thank you. As you know, we've been making our way through the book of Joshua. But before we get started in Joshua chapter 8 today, I want to give you some really practical advice that a man named Sam Peters from Outreach Incorporated gave about making decisions, about uh, making the right choices in daily life. And here's what he said about making good decisions, making good choices. Number one, remember there are only 24 hours in a day. There are only 24 hours in a day. There is only so much that you can do in one day. So you need to be realistic in scheduling your day, Bill Barlow. Amen. Be realistic in scheduling your day. Don't schedule your day so strictly that one red light is going to cause you to blow a gasket and start spazzing out. Amen. You ever been there? One red light, and here we are throwing a fit, a little temper tantrum, uh, because we didn't get our way. So be sure that you realize that there's only 24 hours in a day, and you need to schedule and structure your day accordingly. Something else that Sam Peter said, and that is he encourages us to use the pie theory. The pie theory. And what he says is, every day you get one pie. One pie. You can choose to serve that pie to whatever or uh, whomever you choose to serve that pie to. At the end of the day, you need to realize that you need to have served all your pie. Okay? However, as you reflect on your day, did you give deserving people their fair share of pie? Or did you choose to serve pie to people and to things that were unworthy of any of your pie? Think about this. You get to choose who or what you give your time to. That's completely up to you. You get to make that choice. And sometimes people come into our day and they waste our pie. They waste our pie by getting under our skin. Anybody ever got under your skin? Go ahead and start nodding your head to see it. We all get people that get under our skin, right? Or that cause you to stress out. Anybody ever cause you to stress out? Come on. Amen. We all have that. Well, when people do that, when you allow people to do that, you're serving them pie that they don't deserve, okay? Even after they, we've left, even after they've walked off, we allow them to consume our thoughts. We allow those people to control our actions, even to dictate our attitudes. We keep serving them pie even after they leave. So we need to make sure that we give our pie to somebody who deserves it. And if you're still giving pie 
to someone who's consuming it but not enjoying it, you need to stop serving it. Stop serving your pie. When somebody's consuming more of your pie than they deserve, stop serving it. Amen? Find a way to graciously end the encounter and go serve your pie to somebody that's going to love it. Go serve your pie to somebody who's going to be blessed by it. And when you do that, you're going to find that you're going to be much happier serving your pie. That's a good, a good idea, some good advice from Sam to remember and use that pie theory. But there's one third one that he says, and that is when you're faced with a difficult choice, when you're faced with a, a difficult decision of whether to do something or to not do something, you need to ask yourself, what is the worst thing that can happen? What's the worst thing that can happen if I do or don't make this decision? Now, if the choice is not sinful, if the choice doesn't, doesn't displease God, we need to quit letting those choices paralyze us into doing nothing. We need to do something. It's easy, the easy way, rather, to, to do that is just to ask one question. And that is WWJD. What would Jesus do? When you do that, what are you doing? is you're making a decision based upon your number one priority. And my prayer for you is, is that Jesus is your number one priority. Then you're going to be able to cast out fear, and you're going to be able to move forward with confidence, knowing that this is what God wants you to do. What would Jesus do? So we all make decisions every day, small ones and big ones. We've all made a lot of decisions that maybe we've regretted. Agreed? I hope that they're not sitting next to you. Amen? <laughs> but just know that bad decisions come with the territory of being human. Every one of us in this room have made a poor choice before. Every one of us has made a, a bad decision. Some bad decisions are very serious. And other decisions, praise the Lord, not so much. But we need to be careful about the decisions and choices we make. Today, we're going to examine some poor choices that Joshua made. And by doing that, we're also going to see how we might avoid poor choices and the consequences that come as a result. Number one, to avoid a poor choice, make sure that you don't think that blessings can't come from battles. Make sure you don't think that blessings can't come from battles. We're to wage war against sin. And when you do wage that war, when you do go to battle against sin, guess what? You're going to be blessed. Amen? So blessings do come from battles. So here in uh, Joshua chapter 9, uh, I believe that's page 201 in the Bibles in front of you. Even when Israel is here gathering to worship together at the end of chapter 8, her enemies are gathering too. They're gathering to plan an attack against Israel. Let's read in Joshua chapter 9, the first couple verses. 
Verse 1, And it came to pass, when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan, in the hills, and in the lowland, and on all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, that is the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, heard about it. What did they hear about? They heard about Israel slaughtering Ai. Amen. That they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. With one accord. So Israel was worshiping God and, and praising God and reflecting on how God had blessed their obedience. And the kings of these various clans there in Canaan, what were they doing? They were forming an alliance. They were coming together to form an alliance to halt the invasion of Israel. But there was this one group. This group was called the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites decided that they were going to take a little bit of a different course of action. Let's read about it in verse 3. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. Just like Rahab back in chapter 2, you remember Rahab back in Jericho? Just like Rahab, the Gibeonites had heard these reports about what God had done through the people of Israel. They heard about the power of God. They heard about the strength of Israel. And they heard about what God was doing in the midst of his people. And the thing we need to realize here is, is that when Rahab heard that news, what did she do? She immediately had a receptive heart and willingly began to learn about God and began to worship God. But these Gibeonites, these Gibeonites were only concerned with saving their own skin. That's all that they were, all they were worried about. Now, in today's society, we have a lot of people that have this same Gibeonite philosophy, the same Gibeonite theory. They're, the theory goes like this. It's all about me. You ever known somebody like that? It's all about me. If it's convenient for me, I'll do it. Uh, if it's convenient for me, I'll do it, and even then, I'll do just enough to get by. You ever met somebody like that? Amen. Um, you know somebody like this? If it's going to be a challenge to me, then I'm going to take the path of least resistance. I want the easy street. I want it all. I want easy street. And guess what? I deserve success. I'm entitled to success. You ever met somebody like that? I'm afraid we have a whole nation full of them, friends, that are, think they're entitled, that they don't have to work for success, that they're entitled to get everything because it's all about them. But these Gibeonites, they would learn that life is not always a bed of roses. They would learn that sometimes life is tough. Sometimes life takes a little bit of work. Sometimes you've got to give a little bit of effort to get what you're looking for because we don't deserve anything. Furthermore, we're not entitled to anything. You should work for what you get because life has a lot of challenges. Life has a lot of battles. Would you agree? I mean, we all go through battles from time to time. They may be with your, with your spouse. They may be with your family. They may be in your circle of friends. They may be with perfect strangers. They may be in your church. 
But we go through these challenges and these battles all the time. And as Christians, you and I need to learn to submit to God's rule. It's not all about me. It's all about God. It's all about what God wants in my life. It's all about what God wants to do through my life. And I need to learn to trust him as I walk through these valleys. I need to learn to trust God even when I'm in the midst of a battle. We need to teach that to other people too. If these Gibeonites would have just turned to God like Rahab did, then guess what would have happened? They could have avoided generations of slavery, generations of servitude. So for you and I to avoid the consequences that come with poor choices, sometimes you just got to realize who you are, or maybe I should say who you ain't. Amen? Realize who you are. Realize what you've done, because every one of us in the room are sinners. You're either one of two kind of sinners. You're either a lost sinner or a saved sinner, amen? But we're all sinners, so you need to realize who you are or who you ain't, and you need to acknowledge what you've done, but then when all is said and done, you need to make sure you side with God, amen? God knows what's best for us. We know that sometimes that's a struggle, but I want you to know this morning that blessings often come from battles. A lot of times you don't even get a blessing unless you go through a battle. I've heard it said that you ain't going to have a testimony unless you have a, a test. Amen? So battles are not always bad. They bring blessings. So the first thing we need to do is realize that, hey, man, don't think that blessings don't come from battles. Here's the second way to avoid poor choices, and that is avoid making decisions on surface evidence. Avoid making decisions just on what you see. Let's continue to read in verse 4 of Joshua chapter 9. The Gibeonites, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And listen to what they did. They took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua, to the camp there at Gilgal, and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a faraway country. Now therefore make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said, Perhaps if you dwell among us, uh, how can we, if you do not dwell among us, how can you make a covenant with us? But they said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, well, who are you? And where do you come from? And so they said to him, from a very far country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God, for we have heard of his name, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did with the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan. You remember to Sihon, king of Eshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke with us, saying, Take provisions with you for the journey, and go and meet them, and say to them, We are your servants. Now therefore, make a covenant with us. Now you read, you read that on the surface, and it sounds like, you know what, Israel is about to do a really good thing. 
But what happened was, instead of turning to God like Rahab did, these Gibeonites decided that they were going to trust their own instincts. They were going to trust their own instincts, and they were going to attempt to deceive these Israelites. They chose to wear tattered old clothes. They chose to wear worn-out sandals. They picked out the old cracked wineskins for their drink. And all the bread in their food pouches was all dried out and moldy. And they were trying to give the impression and mislead Joshua that they had come from a very faraway country. But notice in verse 8 what Joshua asks. He says, who are you? And where do you come from? And the implication is here is, is that those Gibeonites said, oh, we come from a place so far away you would have never heard of us. See, not only were those Gibeonites trying to deceive Joshua about where they were from, they were also trying to lie about their intentions. They came and they said, you know what, we want to make a treaty with you. A covenant with you. Because we've heard about all these wonders of the Lord your God. He even said so in verse 9, they said that they have come because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that that he did in Egypt. They were giving the impression that they wanted to honor God. They were giving the, the impression that they wanted to worship God. But there's one thing I want you to notice here. The one thing I want you to notice is, is they didn't offer to turn to God. They only offered to serve God, to become His servant. See, friend, that's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion says, I'll serve you, God, but I'm just going through the motions. Maybe you've been there. I know I've been there where I'm just going through the motions. That's what religion is. But relationship says, Lord God, I'm going to serve you out of love and obedience. I'm going to do what you ask, and I'm going to serve you accordingly. Religion or relationship? These Gibeonites were coming to a religion. And decided they wanted to serve. And then they presented their credentials. Did you see them? That moldy bread. That old patched wine skin. The ragged clothes. The worn sandals. Look there in verse 12 with me. This, listen to what they said. They really did good. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our house on the day we departed to come to you. But now look. It's all dry and moldy. And these wineskins which were filled were new. They were new. But now see, they're torn. And the clothes we're wearing, these garments, and our sandals, they've become old because of this very long journey. They presented the credentials of their lie. The credentials of their deception. And unfortunately, Joshua took the bait. Joshua made a very serious decision based upon some questionable surface evidence. Friends, can I tell you something this morning? If you're listening, say amen. If somebody comes to you and they're going out of their way to press evidence upon you to make a decision, I want to encourage you this morning to go out of your way to get further evidence before you make that decision. 
because you better believe that they've got an ulterior motive. Amen? Don't just do what Joshua did and accept the Gibeonites based on surface evidence. Take the time to look further. But I want you to notice something else that Joshua did wrong because we talked about in our last message last week that one thing we need to avoid doing is making the same mistake twice. Y'all remember that? That's exactly what Joshua did. Look there in verse 14. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but listen, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. You remember when they first went to Ai, the spies came back and said, hey man, all you need is a couple thousand men, but they didn't pray and confer with God. And here they're making the same mistake again by not asking the counsel of the Lord. And so Joshua made peace with those Gibeonites and he made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them that they would not kill them. Don't make poor choices. Don't make the poor choice of making a decision without consulting God. God knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for your family. He knows what's best in your workplace. He knows the best answer to the decision. If you'll only ask him, you're going to come a lot closer to getting the right answer, even when the evidence seems obvious. It's kind of like watching that old Alka-Seltzer TV commercial. See if you can finish this sentence. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. I'm glad there's some people as old as me in here. Hallelujah. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Well, you, if you remember that, then you probably remember this. Do you remember the commercial where they had two glasses of water? And those glasses of water both represented stomach acid. And they plop, plop, fizzed, fizz. Uh, and one was the, um, the, uh, the other company's antacid, and the other was Alka-Seltzer. Well, of course, you know which one did better, right? The Alka-Seltzer, oh, it just churned up. It was just fizzing. It was bubbling up. And it made it clear that Alka-Seltzer was better at relieving stomach acid than their competition. But when you look at that on TV, that's not really convincing proof at all. But it appears credible, amen, because of this visible, tangible, so-called scientific demonstration it conveys the impression that it's solid evidence. Friend, be careful about surface evidence. Alan Redpath gives some really good advice about believing things as they appear. Here's what Alan says. He says, when common sense says that a course is right, immediately lift up your head to God. Because the path of faith and the path of blessing may very well be in a direction completely opposite to what you think is common sense. When you hear the voice saying that action is urgent, 
You've got to do something immediately. There's only one thing you better do immediately. And that is stop and confer with the Lord your God. Then, even after praying with God, you're still in doubt. Friend, you just stand still. Don't make that decision. Alan says, if you're called on to act and you don't have time to pray, don't act. If you're called on to move in a certain direction and you can't wait for the peace of God in that particular decision, don't move. People have never, ever been ashamed by waiting on God. Always, always go to God. Be strong enough, be brave enough to stand there and wait on God to give you direction. Because that's the only way you're going to outwit the devil is by standing and waiting on God. So Joshua made this treaty with the Gibeonites without consulting God first. And then he went so far as to make a decision based upon the surface evidence and listen to what happened. These unbelieving Gibeonite people infiltrated the people of God. Friends, to avoid poor decision-making, I want you also to remember that deception will always, always be discovered. Lies always come to the surface. Look there in verse 16. And it happened at the end of three days after they made the covenant with them that they heard that these Gibeonites were their neighbors who dwelt near them. Their deception had been discovered. Now Proverbs 12, 19 tells us that a, a truthful lip will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. What does that mean? That means that dishonesty may do you some temporary good, but ultimately, it's never a permanent solution. I remember what my mama said about trickery and deceit. I remember what mama said about lying. Mama said, you lie once, and that snowball begins to roll. Then you got to lie again about that lie, and that snowball gets bigger. And then you got to lie about those two lies, and that snowball gets bigger. And that snowball begins building up momentum as it travels down that hill. And sooner or later, that big accumulation of lies is going to cause great damage. And it's going to be discovered. So sooner or later, trickery and deceit is going to be exposed. And the truth is going to come out. And here, three days. Three days after the treaty, the truth was uncovered. Look in verse 17. Then the children of Israel journeyed, and they came to the cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Sherevah, Beeroth, Kirjim-Jerim, and the children of Israel did not attack them because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel, and the congregation complained against the rulers. So get this. Israel, the fighting men of Israel, they arrive at Gibeon. 
they're still under the impression they're getting ready to take that city. They arrive at Gibeon. They're prepared to attack. They're prepared to take over only to find out that Joshua and the other leaders got conned. They got buffaloed. They got duped. And they had made a promise before God that they wouldn't attack these Gibeonite people. Let me tell you something. The Israelite people were mad as hornets. Amen? They were mad, and they, they were mad that the leaders had gotten conned. And the Bible says they began to complain. But one thing they did do right is they acknowledged that, hey man, a promise is a promise. A covenant is a covenant, and it's not to be taken lightly. Listen to what they said about this covenant in verse 19. Then all the rulers said to the congregation, We have sworn to these Gibeonites by the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore we may not touch them. However, this is what we will do to them. We're going to let them live. We're going to let them live lest the wrath of God be upon us because of the oath which we swore to them. And the ruler said to them, let them live, but let them be woodcutters. Let them be water carriers for all the congregation of Israel as the rulers had promised them. I don't know about you. Some people like cutting wood. But I imagine after a day of woodcutting, You'd be getting awful tired of woodcutting, amen? Ladies, I don't know how you feel about carrying uh, big jars of, of water, uh, but I imagine after a while it would get pretty tedious and pretty burdensome. So these Gideonites were allowed to live, but they turned into slaves. Now there's one more thing I want you to remember about avoiding poor choices, and that is this. Remember, you have to live with the consequences. The Gibeonites had to live with the consequences of their lie. They had to live with the consequences of their deception. And let's read about that uh, in verse 22. Then Joshua called for them and he spoke to them saying, Why have you deceived us? Saying, We are very far from you when you dwell right here near us. Now therefore you are, get this, cursed. You are cursed and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. And so they answered Joshua and said, because of your servants, because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you, therefore we were very much afraid for our lives because of you and have done this thing and now here we are in your hands do with us as it seems good and right to do to us and so he did to them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel so that they did not kill them and that day Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord in the place which he would choose even to this day remember you make a bad choice, you're the one who has to live with the consequences. Think about this. They realized their mistake in three days. But how long did they have to live with it? 
their whole life. See, that's what God's people have to do. You make a poor choice. You've got to endure life while living in those consequences. Consequences don't just evaporate. Joshua had failed to consult the Lord about these Gibeonites. He trusted in the surface evidence. But when the deception was discovered, here's one good thing that Joshua did. He didn't compound the mistake by not keeping his promise. See, some Christians are under the misconception that if all they'll do is just confess their sins before God, they won't have to deal with the consequences of their sin. But I want to tell you today, confession and turning to God provides cleansing from sin, but it does not erase the consequences of sin. Did you hear that? You will have to live with the consequences of your poor choices. So soon after this covenant was made, Failing to talk with God first, Israel was called to honor their promise. And we're going to see in chapter 10 that there were five other kings in the land. And they got mad at the Gibeonites for how they'd come to try to deceive Israel. And they decided they were going to attack Gibeon. And listen to what Israel did. Joshua decided that he was going to defend Gibeon and he actually fought against those other five kings just so he could keep his promise and then on a later occasion King Saul of Israel hundreds of years later King Saul broke that covenant broke that promise and you're not going to believe who God sided with God sided with Gibeon the Gibeonites and he actually judged his own people because they broke the promise. I think God takes it pretty serious when we make promises. God's people are called to live obediently, enduring the consequences even of our own mistakes. So let me ask you this. What's your legacy going to be? Many years after his death, over 650,000 people tour the Graceland Mansion in Memphis, longing to hear the stories about Elvis Presley. But the sad thing is, is that the story doesn't ever change. It's the same story. Because Elvis has already lived and what he has achieved, whether it's good or bad, is going to be told over and over and over again for all eternity. So what will your legacy be? What, what story will be told about your life when you're long gone? Will it be, man, that woman committed blunder after blunder after blunder. That dude... Repeated mistake after repeated mistake after repeated mistake. Will it be, man, you're not going to believe what he did. Made one poor choice after another poor choice after another poor choice. What's your story going to look like? 
Will your story be something that God will be proud of? Will your story be that that you learned your lesson from the first mistake and you took steps to stop the cycle? You took steps to quit it and to stop making the same poor choice over and over again. Friend, if the answer is no, my story would not please God, I got some great news for you. And the great news is, is that you, if you're hearing my voice right now, you are still alive. Amen? You are still alive, and you have the ability to change your future by avoiding poor choices. However, you must make the choice to change. You must make the choice to change the outcome of your life. But that's a choice you must make. It means you've got to make a decision. It means that you probably ought to make that decision today. It probably means that you need to make a decision and come to grips with, am I dedicated to God or not? How do I go about making this decision? Well, friends, to begin with, you need to make a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only means by which we must be saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through Jesus. He's the only way. So to begin with, you've got to start there. You haven't started there I'm telling you right now you don't have any hope for future choices because you don't have a relationship with the father and do you think he's hearing your prayers if you're not even part of the family the prayers that the father hears are those prayers of confession and repentance and humility and humble requests for salvation. So make a decision today if you haven't. My prayer was as we started this morning that you'd walk out of here differently than you come in. If you make the decision to follow Jesus, you're going to be walking out of here different than you came in. You may say, Bill, I did that a long time ago. I gave my life to the Lord. But have you been following Him? Have you been a disciple? Have you been a child of God? Because I want to tell you today, He desires you to be His property. He desires you to be, be His daughter, His son. Have you been acting like a child of the King? Have you been a prince? Have you been a princess? If you haven't, it's decision day. Today, friend, it's an opportunity for you to become part of the family of God or to start making decisions that please your Father. And I want to encourage you to do that today. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that as many as received Him, Jesus, to them He gave the right To those who believe in his name. If you don't have a relationship with the king, 
you can walk out of here differently than you came in. I pray you'll make that right choice today. May I pray for you?